When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to Buckeye Talk. Man, this is the professional version of Buckeye Talk. We're in the podcast studio in Cleveland because today we were all in Cleveland for the most boring meeting in the history of meetings about copyright with a guy on Skype, and it's over. And now we're going to talk about Ohio State quarterbacks, and Ari and Bill are excited. How are, you, are you guys excited for this? Fun fact, anything that was created before 1923, you can use. I can't believe you paid attention that well. I just was, like, baffled by the fact, because it's just like, when is anybody ever going to need to know that? Yeah. And then I remembered it, so I don't know. Wow. I, can have a, I have a little window into what you were like in school, that you just went to that presentation, absorbed it, and gave it right back to me. And then if I'm I were impressed. to take an exam on that tomorrow, I would get an A, but if you re-gave me the exam the next week, I would get a zero. <laughs> I like would cram, I would remember, and I would retain. You just retain. summed up the, the failures of the American education. No, system. I would just retain it till the test, and then after the yeah. test was over, I couldn't pass a high school English class. I'm a sports writer. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna cut that. Let's take that little widget and make that. That's on the Ari uh, Wasserman tombstone. Um, all right, so we're gonna run down the future of Ohio State quarterbacks because you guys love quarterbacks, and frankly, we love quarterbacks. So we're gonna, in the end. Tell you not who the starter is going to be in 2017, because we already know that. JT Barrett, as a redshirt senior, is going to be Ohio State's starting quarterback. By the end of this podcast, we will tell you who the starting quarterbacks are going to be in 2018, 2019, 2020. And these guys don't want to do it, but we're going to do 2021, even though it's impossible to figure out. Because so we can get, make up a name for that one. Yeah, we could just like make an imaginary person and say he's a quarterback. Because he's in third grade right now, or whatever it is. Um, I mean, he actually is, like, maybe not in high school yet, right? For math freshman, purposes? I think he's in eighth grade. Yeah. Ari knows eighth grade recruiting. So we're going to get into that. Um, We've written it about quarterbacks specifically. Yeah. So, um, but first, can we talk about a detour first? Mm-hmm. Can we do a detour? Sure. We don't ever do that on this podcast, Can we, do we? You said that that's going to be written on Ari's tombstone. That's the second time we've talked. Ari and I have talked today about something that's going to be on his tombstone. The other thing was waiting for Doug was going to be the other thing that's on Ari's tombstone. Nice. My tombstone has got a lot of letters. Those aren't, those aren't cheap. I feel like that is uh, really deep that you would be lying there dead in the ground and it would say waiting for Doug. Because when I'm dead, I'm still waiting. <laughs> and I would be standing over your grave feeling really bad about that. <laughs> um, What's the detour? Danny Clark's tattoo. Oh, man. I yeah. felt so bad for him. That was a terrible cover-up job. I almost feel like I shouldn't have done the post because it was so bad. But And we've talked about this. I t- asked Danny Clark specifically about this 
at the recruiting camp in Westerville this summer. I said before, before he long before he decommitted, when he was way all in. Danny Clark, if you don't know, the quarterback from Archbishop Hoban, uh, is a state champion. It's a really good quarterback. Had been committed to Ohio State since ninth grade. Ended up decommitting from Ohio State and went and signed with the University of Kentucky on signing day. But he has had a block O tattoo for years. And you can go look at the post uh, that Ari I mean, made on Cleveland.com and he has covered up the block O tattoo. He m- made it into another tattoo. It's a it wasn't a It wasn't a tattoo. It was a very large, prominent. And there are certain from tattoos that are easy. I mean, there was a color of red. It was very deeply done. I don't know. I'm not. You have a tattoo. I don't have tattoos. But like when you have a high concentration of ink in one area, I don't know what that's called. But there was a ton of red ink on his arm for the block O. Yeah. That doesn't seem like something I would even attempt to cover up because of how big and how prominent those colors are. I'm not a tattoo cover up expert, but yeah, that it, it seemed like it would have been difficult because we talked about it when he decommitted. Like, is he going to get that covered up? And I didn't, like, what could he possibly do? Because it was such an in- intricate. Tattoo that had a ton of color to it, and he tried to get it covered up, and it didn't. It's a he turned the block O into the head of a lion, and it had like his birth date on it, and it still says his nickname, prototype. It was a very that wasn't his birthday. That was the day he committed oh, to Ohio State, oh, okay. which is still. But on did his he arm. change it? Though the date, this I thought it was I don't his know birthday. if the date changed, but originally was. But like, yeah. so I asked him at that recruit, recruiting camp, "Isn't your tattoo sort of like your letter of intent? Like you're already you're locked in. You have a, a tattoo on your arm," and he was like. No, no, you know, I'm an Ohio State fan. I grew up an Ohio State fan. So no matter what, you I mean, if I have an Ohio State tattoo, it's just because I'm a fan of Ohio State. And then he decommitted and got it covered up. So anyway. So I was reading about it on message boards, and I think a lot of people in Kentucky were giving him crap about it. Did he Did he post the pictures himself, though? He did, did and then they were removed because they were on Instagram, but then people took enough screenshots for them to be all over he Twitter. Put, he put them up and then took them down? Yes. Okay. I think he got a lot, a lot, a lot of flack from it. Can I say this as an impartial observer? I am rooting for Danny Clark. I hope he does well at Kentucky. Somebody asked me the other day how I think he'll do there, and I, I honestly have no idea, but I hope he does well. That kid took a lot of crap during his commitment. I think a lot of people that are Ohio State supporters default to rooting for Danny Clark to make themselves feel better about the way he was treated. He and I think that didn't that do anything wrong. He never did anything wrong. He did everything right. I would even go to the other extreme. And it's just... The only thing he might have done wrong was was lead with his heart too much and allow himself to commit to any college in ninth grade, but he's far from the first kid to ever do that. And if Ohio, if Ohio State offers you, and you know you want to go there, how do you not commit? And when you're ninth grade, the idea of not being good enough or not fitting the system isn't even on your radar. If you're good enough no. to have an offer, when you're... 13 or 14 years old, it never even occurred to him that he wasn't good enough. And I'm not saying that he's not. They said he didn't fit into the scheme because he's a pro-style guy who can't run the zone read and the read-type option plays. But Which they had the same offense when they offered him as they do now. So, I mean, they didn't think he could have fit. Why did they offer him? And Urban Meyer always says what's harder to do, re-scheme or get good players. He always said get good players is the harder thing. So, so w- there's already a lot of really good kids from Ohio, who are playing at Kentucky, we you guys went to Kentucky. We've written about everything. I forgot about, about that the other day. Like I was watching, I was like actually looking at Danny Clark's Twitter account to see if there were any pictures of the tattoo. And then he had retweeted a video that Kentucky it was like actually an ad that ran during the Super Bowl, and I guess locally it was like a video of their facility. And I forgot that Ari and I were in Mark Stoops' office, like 
chatting with him for a half an hour about how they recruit Ohio. It's kind of crazy that they gave us that access. I've been saying Luke Fickle in Cincinnati, I think, is an interesting thing for Kentucky recruiting Ohio because Luke Fickle is right in between. And any kid who's a good player at Ohio who would be in Ohio who would be interested in going to Kentucky, he's got to go through Cincinnati to get there. Um, And Luke Fickle might stop him on the way. So I'll be curious to see how that impacts Kentucky's recruiting. But they have a lot of good players down there from Ohio. Can I say that I am, like, super relaxed right now with this headset and, like, the fact that like we can talk to each other, but I don't feel like I'm screaming into the computer. I feel like and there's not the, a truck driving past yeah. on the road outside this is your like, apartment. I feel like it's very therapeutic. I'm and like I like this. You know what would be better next time we do it in this podcast studio? You should bring one of your candles from home and we can light oh, it. Oh yeah, here. turn the light off maybe. Maybe a Domino's pizza. Maybe get a pie on the way. Yeah. Would it be worth it for us to drive to Cleveland to use this podcast studio every time we do a podcast? It's four hours round trip. Might be worth it. No, I'm just, I feel like this is a more natural conversation now. Yeah, we'll have to see if people think it's a better podcast. Because i got to say, it's already a great podcast. Fantastic podcast. But I think the moral of the story is Danny Clark had a pretty tough situation. Now his tattoo is messed up, and people want him to do well at Kentucky. But that was the last step for him. He signed, he fixed the tattoo, he's done. He's just a wildcat now. He doesn't have to be some guy who once was an Ohio State pledge. So, good luck to him. Wolf, I mean, I'm going to be I'm going to be watching. I mean, I'm going to actually like be interested. You always say, "Oh, I wonder what happens to this guy." What's that? I'm going to really try to keep tabs. I mean, you guys will do a better job of it, but uh, I mean, I'm interested I mean, in what happens to Danny Clark. If he's a success story, everyone's going to know. Right. Yeah. He can't be at, at that position. Right. Cuz sometimes you forget like CJ Conrad was a tight end a few years ago. And he might actually be on the draft board now. Or maybe he got drafted last year. I can't remember. No, he, was a, he didn't get drafted. <sighs> is he on the board this year? Anyway, he was a four-star prospect, tight end prospect from Keystone, Ohio. Is that Northeast Ohio? Yes, sir. And Ohio State didn't recruit him. They or they, they waited. He was at a weird drama. They offered him too late, and he stuck with Kentucky because they didn't offer him. And now I guess he was like a two and or three and done NFL. He's still at Kentucky, um, I believe. Caught four touchdown passes last year. He's good. He's like an NFL tight end is the, is the point. And it, I think that the point I'm trying to make is that if you're an Ohio State fan, you might have lost track of him. Right. Because if a tight end there's catches four passes, too. but like, Dor- there's guys there. Dorian Baker, like Ohio State just got Jalen Harris. Dorian Baker was Jalen Harris before Jalen Harris showed up at Cleveland Heights. Dorian, he was a four-star receiver who played for Jeff Rodsky at Cleveland Heights, and he was really good in high school, and I think people think he's going to be really good in college, too. And the kid that said he got an Ohio State offer but might not have. Lynn, Lynn Bowden. Lynn Bowden from Warren. from Warren is going there. They got some guys that aren't just two-star, three-star throwaways, that they're fringe Ohio State guys. I think if Kentucky gets a fringe Ohio State guy, that's a massive victory. All right, another detour. We'll get to the quarterbacks, but I want to ask about this. Um, I forget his last name. Tyreek Evans? Yes. Tyreek Evans was on the Sacramento Kings. Tyreek Evans, yeah. Tyreek Smith. Yes. I knew that's how I keep... But the reason why you said that is because you asked me how to pronounce his name, and I said Tyreek Evans. Yep. And I doubled back <laughs> in my head. Tyreek Smith, uh, high school teammate of Jalen Harris, but a year younger. Jalen Harris just signed with Ohio State. He's getting offered by everybody. Every day he has another offer. And he has an Ohio State offer, but he just got offered by LSU, I think. I mean, I saw a bunch of other ones. Um... Like, I mean, I guess it happens to all the best players, but Ohio State got an offer in on him. It was kind of a big deal when he got his Ohio State offer. Do you think he's going to be an Ohio State guy or just going to be an interesting recruitment that there are lots of schools seemingly 
throwing offers at him. Well, right the now. reason why I think he's going to be an Ohio State guy is because there's no evidence from anybody else in his same position to have done otherwise in Urban Meyer's time here. Texas just offered him. Um, what's interesting about this kid too is I think he's played like nine total games. Basketball player who just started playing football. He got right? six offers before ever even playing a football game, and then this is his first organized football season this past year since he was in middle school, and he missed half of it with an injury. So he might only have like six games of high school tape. But I think that he is an athletic... He's just that good. I think the projections from his athletic ability based on speed and size are very uh, favorable for him. What is he? Defensive end? Defensive yes. end, yeah. Okay. So, um, you know, Ohio State... We wrote a story a while ago about how Ohio State has to wait... Sometimes longer on Ohio State or on Ohio prospects, they got him early because they want him now, and they they couldn't wait any longer. And another detour. Sure. Twelve minutes in. All right. <laughs> detour on. Um, Why did that come up? I I just saw I I follow oh. I think I follow him or I follow. I just thought it was interesting that like there were SEC offers. I think it was the Texas offer, and yeah. you mentioned the LSU. I think it's, offer. I think it's good to have a little bit of general Ohio State chat before you get into the whatever the it's thing. Good is. format. Yeah, okay. I think I like this. Yeah, yeah I we, just he's it's people. random. I didn't realize we were randoming. You got to stick around for this quarterback thing that's coming. But I think they're interested in this stuff. When we first started doing this podcast, we would have fifteen minute conversations about McDonald's breakfast and then talk about the football. And I don't think people like that. But we're still talking. This football. is better. Yeah, yeah. Um, Plus the the quarterback conversation is going to be worth the wait. I mean, yeah. that, I think that that quarterback one that we did before was lit. Was, wasn't that the that, that stopped? Uh, You're wearing <laughs> Mickey Mouse tennis <laughs> shoes right now. Up until uh, <laughs> that was our most listened to podcast. Up until we did one right after the Fiesta Bowl. That, that's the new record. And the one after the Fiesta Bowl might have been about JT, right? That has them. It was about what that loss meant for next year. People yeah. love quarterbacks, and we're going to get to it. But what's your next detour? The kid that Ohio State just got from California, the four-star. Yeah. So I did I did a post the other day when uh, Penn State got this top 30 running back, uh, and Penn State already has five top 100 players in their 2018 class. They have 10 people overall already. And Ohio State at that point only had two commits. Now they have three Um Talk for 20 seconds about this kid they got from Wyatt Davis's high school. Why all of a sudden is Ohio State like a factor in Southern California? But second of all, is there any way that Penn State could end up with a better class than Ohio State? Or is Penn State just off to a hot start? And we've talked before, this is going to be a great year for Ohio State in 2018. Fun fact, Kansas is like number nine in the rankings right now for 2018. They picked up four th- three four-stars the other day, one day. Yeah. It's unbelievable. They won't all go there, though. Yeah, they're not all going to go there. But it's really hard to tell. You know, it'd be a good, interesting story is if you compared. I don't even know if you can retroactively go back and look at what Ohio State's overall class rating was when they had ten at this point last year, yeah, and see if this 2018 Penn State class is on par with that one. Because Ohio State ended up in last year's class with eleven top 100 guys, and they have five five right now. So I mean, they got a ways to go. They got a ways to go. But but for um, Penn State, it was a great. It's a great start. As far as and I, I tweeted this the other day, but Ohio State's only got three people in their class, but one's a five-star quarterback, one's a four-star safety that's a fringe five, uh, and one's a four-star running back from Florida, and they haven't even gotten the guys like Tyreek Smith in their state yet. So Jackson Carmen's top Jackson Carmen player. is like Jaylen Josh Gill. Myers. Jalen Gill is a five-star. He might be four now, composite, but they've got a few guys that are basically 
I mean, Jalen Gills visited Ohio State more times than we've been to the building in the last six months, and I could not imagine him going anywhere else, even though he says he wants to be national. So um, it'll be interesting if they get that. Um, you know, if it's a, it's the it's not quite as as advanced as it was last year in terms of having the commitments, but Ohio State's got the uh, the spots this year too to build on some yeah. things. And in Ohio is a deeper. You're going to see probably eight to eleven. Ohio Ohio kids in this class this year when there were only seven. Why are they in California now? How is this happening? I feel like it worked, and then they like built a relationship with. What's this school that they're in at? Saint John Bosco in Bellflower, in Southern California. Is this going to be a pipeline school? We, I don't are know you if be it's going there soon. I, I'm not. I don't know enough about the school to like put it in the same category as like a uh, a Gorman. I don't think like. I mean, Southern California is clearly talented, and they might have they some were kids every year, ranked. but I don't know if like, they're like a powerhouse that has 10 or 8. I was just watching, uh, to prepare for the quarterback conversation, I was watching some... You prepared for the quarterback conversation? Yeah, he I, just, I just wanted to watch some tape to get, to like get, form a better opinion on some of these guys, but I was watching Tate Martell's when he was at Gorman, and they played Bosco, and when they played Bosco, Bosco was third in the country. I think Gorman was, might have been number one, but St. John Bosco was third, so... I don't know if they're a perennial powerhouse, but they were last year. But it's interesting. I, I just Urban Meyer just mentioned this in passing in a signing day news conference, talking about Trayvon Grimes, and it was sort of about I think it might have even been about the Ohio question, Ohio and national, whatever. And he was sort of explaining, well, we got these kids and we got these kids, and then he was like, and Trayvon Grimes, you know, he was at one of our schools in Florida. That was about the about the why they got big receivers. Okay, and it was like they. Try to get them all the time, but they're tough to get. But he said it just so happened that they had one in Northeast Ohio and had one at one of their schools, which was St. Thomas Aquinas. One of their schools. Yeah. Like, I mean, and again, I would feel like we have done a great job of writing about the pipeline schools, but that is really a thing. I mean, if Trayvon Grimes had been in this five minutes down the street in the exact same place, the same guy at the same, but just he might not be at Ohio State. They have schools. And maybe That's, they're going to be getting a school in, in Southern California, which they've never had before. And, like, I wrote about that before he said it, so I feel special. Because I You've did been a, all over Aquinas. No, but I don't, I'm not talking about Aquinas. I'm talking about um, the general idea of having a territory or a place. And I went to Bishop Gorman, and we did the Aquinas story. But when I went to Bishop Gorman, I did a bunch of stories on that. But then we did a five-part series um, leading into and after signing day of how Urban Meyer came together and one of the parts was Bishop Gorman and I encourage you to go read it because the entire point of that story wasn't that they got kids from Gorman it was the uh, position that attaining a territory or a school can often be more important than it, than getting a commitment from a kid and a lot of times those two things go hand in hand but now maybe next year when we're, we're at that press conference he might say the same thing about how that linebacker um went to Gorman, and that was a huge success, and it's just, that's kind of got to be part. It's not in the recruiting rankings. You'll never see it in um, the way things go, but the way that you can acquire a territory in a year, I think, has to be taken into account when, when talking about whether or not the recruiting class is in the shape it is. Are any of these Penn State guys, guys like two, Micah Parsons and Ricky Slater, two guys Ohio State's in on, right, for 2018? Ohio State definitely wanted Parsons. I don't know if they're still recruiting him or not. Um Ricky Slade is confusing because he reminds me of Darius Slade. Ricky Slade went name. to the same high school as Matthew Burrell. And I've definitely seen him tied to Ohio State. And I think his crystal ball before he committed was like 20% Ohio State. And Micah Parsons visited Ohio State this year. 
five-star defensive end who's from Central Pennsylvania, and Ricky Slate's from Virginia. And then it was interesting. I don't, I don't know if it's exactly true, but Ohio State's quarterback in 2018 is from Georgia, and I think maybe Penn State has the second-best quarterback in Georgia. Is their quarterback? And now that we're talking about Penn State, and this is a quarterback podcast, I think we should take a minute because I think you you saw Sean Clifford, right? I think we should mention that. Yeah, I, we watched uh, Sean Clifford at the opening in Columbus last May, um, where Danny Clark was there working out too. And Sean, I don't remember if Sean Clifford got his invite to the opening off that camp or not, but he was good. I think he was the best quarterback there. Um, from Cincinnati, St. Xavier. So he's an Ohio kid. He's a four-star dual-threat quarterback who's going to Penn State. And I don't even know if Ohio State ever got involved with him. No, I don't, a, I've never written about him once. Um, which is interesting because, like, watching him watching him play, and it's the opening. Like, you can only take so much from it. But then, like, watching him in the state title game, too, I thought he looked pretty good. He seems like a guy who would fit at Ohio State. And, you know, it's quarterback, so you get the absolute best. And Ohio State, I mean, got Tate Martell, and they got Emory Jones for 18, so they didn't miss out on anything. But Clifford looks good, and... I would have said, if you would have asked me before last season who's going to be Penn State's starting quarterback in 2017, I would have put a decent percentage to Sean Clifford. But McSorley. But that was before I saw what McSorley did this year. But um, it's just an interesting thing because we'll write more about the Ohio-ness of this class. I'll have a story coming pretty soon. We've talked about it on this podcast before, but even Urban Meyer at the signing day press conference talked about how they would have liked to have more Ohio kids, and they even would have saved or had a spot saved for an Ohio guy. And I feel like, do you get bonus points if that Ohio is a quarterback? <laughs> you know how your your Ohioness theory. Do you get? Does it like does a quarterback from Ohio count as three? <clears throat> Maybe. You know, I I almost think it's the opposite of that in some way that like. I understand that quarterbacks are special people, so to me it's like if you have to go get your quarterback wherever, that's fine. I want like your guard to be from Ohio and your safety and like your the guys who are like, well you could sort of get these kind of guys anywhere, you know? So I don't know. Like there have been a lot of quarterbacks. Um I mean Troy Smith was from Glenville, but Terrell Pryor wasn't from Ohio. Yeah. Braxton Miller was from Ohio. JT Barrett's not from Ohio. Joe Germain wasn't from Ohio. Yeah. Um Cornelius Green, I don't think, was from Ohio. You know, like Rex Kern wasn't from Ohio. Yeah, he was. Rex Kern was from Ohio. Rex Kern lives in California now. But anyway, I don't I, – I, but, but yeah, I mean – No, I see what you're saying. But, but I see what you're saying too. Yeah, the one thing we I will say is I want to go on record right now. If Urban Meyer did have a spot for an Ohio kid or could go back in time, I think they might have messed up with Todd Sibley. Yeah. An Ohio kid, top 22 – Top 25 running back in the country. Ohio State could have used another running back in this class. He's an Ohio prospect. He's going to be very good. He's going to pit. I think if they could go back in time, they would have kept him. It'll and be I interesting think he see. was on my missed list. I did a slideshow for misses, and I put him in there because I think that might be one where they look back and say, we messed up on that. If he ends up being like a L.J. Scott or Le'Veon Bell or, I mean, just run down the list of, like, really good Ohio running backs. And obviously, he's not going to Michigan State. He's not going to the Big Ten, but that'll be interesting. Okay. 22 minutes in. Let's get down to the meat of the podcast. Here's the deal. We're trying to figure out who the starting quarterback's going to be. Um, let me do this first. I think this is the first question that you have to ask before you can just get too far into the future. Let us break down for 2018 – the Joe Burrow-Dwayne Haskins battle um, because 
basically this podcast is going to focus on four guys. Um, Dwayne Haskins, who will be a redshirt freshman in 2017. Joe Burrow, who will be a redshirt sophomore in 2017. Tate Martell, who is in his first year, and we're sort of anticipating will redshirt and not play in 2017. And Emory Jones, who is their quarterback in the 2018 class. Those are the four guys that are going to be fighting for the future of the quarterback spot once JT Barrett leaves. How, but I would say – go ahead. How are we going to do this? Are we just going to go – we're going to give our list each quickly? Well, let's – I want to deal with the Haskins Burrow thing first because they're the two veterans right now. And I think you sort of have to establish who's going to win that. And then you figure out who, how the other younger guys work in against that guy who becomes the starter in 18. Because my inclination at the moment is I don't think Emory Jones is going to come in as a real, as a true freshman in 2018 and be the starter. No. And I'm not anticipating Tate Martell as a redshirt freshman being the starter in 2018. Do you guys agree? With those points. Yes. Yeah, my list is going to be... Okay, so we yeah. agree with those. So let's talk about 2018 and Dwayne Haskins, Okay. who will be a redshirt sophomore that year, versus Joe Burrow, who will be a redshirt junior that year. I who, did the quarterback breakdown. When we were breaking down the depth chart? We did the projected depth chart. And I put Haskins ahead of Burrow, and I thought that that was what we all thought. But I guess if you disagree, this is the time to... I think we might all think that, and I think we might all be wrong. I think the whole world thinks that, I did, based um, off bowl practice. I did, like, when we were deciding what our depth chart was going to be, I did my own, just to, like, have an idea in my head of what I was thinking. And I had Burrow ahead. You do a lot of more prep than Ari and I do. You're better at this. What Go you, ahead. It, no, it's just because I don't have a life. I, I don't, don't have a life. What do you mean? Um, social butterfly, Ari Wasserman. So you're, <laughs> but you really broke it. Why did you think Burrow ahead of Haskins? He's played. I mean, he and it was only a little bit, but I, I just don't see a scenario in which if JT Barrett's the starter in 2017, which we all think he's going to be, and you have ha- you have Burrow and you have Haskins, um, I think Burrow more often than not is going to get more snaps than Haskins in 2017, and he'll have the snaps that he had in 2016. He'll just be a slightly more experienced quarterback, I think. And well, I guess, what the thing is is that we, we've talked about this, and it's so interesting to me. difference between backup to go in if something happens as an emergency and the one is the long-term solution if something happens. Those are two fairly different things. And I think the yes. one that is the long-term solution is the one we're driving at here. I also think that Joe Burrow is better than everyone thinks he is. That's, yeah, I think yes, I think that's a very... Here's what I would do, by the way, and I'm going to bet here's what they do do. And here's what I really think they should do this. I think when it terms comes, I think in terms of being the garbage time quarterback in 2017, I think that job should be equally split. Yeah. I'm not, maybe not even series to series, and, but once they blow people out, I think sometimes Dwayne Haskins should get three series in the fourth quarter against Team X, and I think sometimes it should be Joe Burrow. I think they should pull JT quicker than usual. He is slow on the draw, just like Jim Trussell was. They are slow to get those quarterbacks out of games and blowouts. We had an argument about this about Braxton Miller. Was it me and you? Me and you, yeah. And I said at the time, keep Braxton in the game. They come to play. If you get hurt, you get hurt, right? I was to keep him in. You were to yes. take him out. Yes. And I'm going to argue the reverse of that now. Only in terms of getting the next guy ready, because you there was no next guy at the time. I think, I yeah. think. I mean, there's always a next guy, but I think you're 
when it comes to development of your future roster, I think that kind of changes the outlook. I mean, JT Barrett has sucked the air out of this quarterback room for four years, and not in a bad way. I mean, like, he was the starter as a redshirt freshman, hasn't been involved for four years. Somebody else needs to get ready. You must prepare for 2018, and you also must prepare for what if something happens to JT Barrett. And I don't think right now you know for sure who's better. And I don't think you're going to know in camp for sure who's better because Dwayne Haskins hasn't done anything yet. And Joe Burrow, like you said, Bill, Joe Burrow's ahead right now, but only because he's gotten a little time. Yeah. But Dwayne Haskins has to get some time. If it's Joe, also important to note, yeah. too, that, ha- that Burrow beat him already. But if Burrow beats him out again, he, I don't think it can be two and three. And like, oh, well, Haskins literally never plays, and Burrow gets every garbage time rep. I, you, Haskins has to get on the field. Yeah, they both have to play. Yeah. And there weren't... There weren't very many opportunities. I would have argued that Haskins should have played last year, and I know it's tough to play a true freshman quarterback, but with a little bit of foresight and knowing what's coming and how crowded that quarterback room is going to be, I probably would have tried to get Dwayne Haskins in like against Nebraska or Maryland when they're up 62-3 to and JT Barrett's still playing like almost into the fourth quarter. Yeah, I thought that was, that was ridiculous. Especially since JT could have gone pro, and then right. Haskins would have been in a fight right now having never been on the field. Because Haskins is never going to be a redshirt senior. Right, and that's what Urban always says. Like, why do you redshirt? He's just not going, not going to be, be around. Like, I mean, we think. I mean, probably not. Right, probably not. And again, nobody should redshirt. Yeah, I agree. But then again, JT is, so you never know. But so, I think once, and, and I do think, how different do you think these guys are as quarterbacks? Dwayne Haskins, Haskins, and Burrow. And Burrow. I um, think Burrow runs better than Haskins. Yeah, it's tough because I don't. I think I agree with that. I think Burrow probably does run better than Haskins. I don't know how much Burrow ran in high school, and like we watched him play one game like three years ago, so we can't really take anything from that. But then, like you watch his highlights from high school too, which is all we really have anything to, all we have to base anything off of. Um, and he wasn't a guy like he was running a ton of like read option stuff. It didn't seem like there was a lot of divine, designed running plays for Dwayne Haskins. Um, he was elusive. He reminded me a little bit of like a Ben Roethlisberger. Like he was hard to break down because he's a big kid. But like having watched Joe Burrow play in high school as much as I did, and then a little bit he played this year, like he is. I think a more willing runner and probably a slightly more talented runner, maybe a little more athletic than Dwayne Haskins is. Let me ask this. Kevin Wilson's, I'm going to say best team in Indiana, I guess best, was with Nate Sudfeld at quarterback. Is yeah. that right? Yeah, I'd agree Nate with that. Sudfeld was pretty much a drop back NFL kind of guy, right? I think he ran a little bit before he got hurt. But he was kind of a big guy with a decent arm, right? I think he might even be in the Yo, NFL. Oh, yeah. Right he definitely, he, he, was definitely a, he was definitely a big guy with a good arm, yeah. What effect does Kevin Wilson being the new offensive coordinator have on the quarterback future at Ohio State? And I guess the main question is, I've always said that I thought the 2015 season with Cardale Jones and JT Barrett showed that Urban Meyer can't live with a quarterback who can't run. doesn't matter if he can't throw. He has to be able to run and run designed runs. So that, to me, leans toward Joe Burrow ahead of Dwayne Haskins. But if Kevin Wilson is a guy who's going to run Urban Meyer's offense, but will he perhaps be a guy who's more inclined toward a thrower that might bode well for Dwayne Haskins? Does Kevin Wilson impact this at all? I think he does, yeah. And that's because he had – I'm just looking at Nate Sunfeld's stats now. He didn't run a ton. He barely ran at all. Um, and even I thought that it was possible that, like, Trey Roberson ran a lot when Kevin Wilson had him as the quarterback, and he didn't run a ton either. Um so it looks like the quarterback run, Richard Lego was a quarterback last year. He wasn't a big runner. These are all guys who threw, Sudfeld and Lego in particular, threw for 3,000 yards. Um, so I don't, I, I don't know if the quarterback run is going to be phased out at all, but 
Wilson was a lot of two running back stuff and a lot less quarterback run. So if that becomes less important and the ability to throw the ball and stretch the field off play action is becomes the most important thing, which would be a total deviation from whatever Meyer said, like his entire career, um, then I think it maybe trends more toward Haskins than it does toward Burrow. I don't think Urban Meyer can survive with a quarterback who can't run. Do you think that's true? I cannot imagine it. I cannot imagine a world where Dwayne Haskins comes in, or anybody comes in, and throws it 35 times per game and, and averages four rushes for 11 yards. I mean, it's a big security blanket for him. Urban Meyer's calling the plays in crunch time, and he ran with JT Barrett, and he ran with Braxton Miller, and he ran with Tim Tebow, and if he can't do that or doesn't feel confident doing that, then, yeah, I don't, I don't know how comfortable he'd be dialing up a pass on fourth and two when you need to get a first down. So it's that, it's that weird struggle between Urban Meyer's offense and the coordinator's personality, and you asked about this, and you wrote about it. But it's Urban's offense. It's Urban's offense, and somebody's here to run it. That is... That, to me, is not an indication that Kevin Wilson is going to have the Sudfield, Indiana offense going. If that's the way it goes, but then at the same time, last year he showed a willingness to, or not a willingness, but the way he envisioned the offense working didn't happen. So there is a little give and take there. So, But there's an absolute direct conflict right now in this, when you look at this quarterback battle with Haskins and Burrow. On one side is Dwayne Haskins, who Urban Meyer has talked about, is throwing the best ball of any high school guy he ever saw. And coupled with that is the idea that for the second straight offseason, Urban Meyer says we're going to throw it better. They said it last year, and they didn't throw it better in 2016. But they are saying they want to throw it better. They must throw it better, right? So Haskins, great young thrower. They want to throw it better. On the other side is Joe Burrow, who seems to have more of the running ability of JT Barrett. And the past history of Urban Meyer needs a quarterback who can run whether it's Alex Smith or Josh Harris or Tim Tebow or Braxton Miller or J.T. Barrett. His best offenses work with a quarterback who can run. And Joe Burrow's that better runner. So that's on Joe Burrow's side. He's never side. attempted to not, and then when he did it, failed. But why do we all now think, like you're, you said, Bill, you think maybe Burrow, which goes against. I, think, I feel like the conventional wisdom, because Dwayne Haskins had a very good bowl practice and all his teammates talked about him, the conventional wisdom shifted to Dwayne Haskins is the quarterback of the future. And if you asked a lot of people who cover Ohio State and follow Ohio State who will be the quarterback in 2018, they would say Dwayne Haskins. And that goes against everything that has to do with Urban Meyer's past. Yeah, and I mean, that's you fall sort of into the trap of just listening. Like they were comparing him to Deshaun Watson as a thrower. But then I asked Jerome Baker before the Fiesta Bowl, like, does he run like Deshaun Watson? And he said, no, he tries to, but he can't, which is like, if he can't run like Deshaun Watson, you can still be a good running quarterback. Deshaun Watson is, is a freak. But they had to bring in other guys to mimic the running of, of the best quarterback in the country, um, which to me just said a little bit of maybe Dwayne Haskins isn't quite the runner that Ohio State needs him to be. Maybe he can become that. Maybe he is that, and he was just never asked to do it in high school because he had an awesome arm and guys couldn't cover his receivers and he could throw them open because he was that good. But I, I just don't. I, I'm more confident right now in Joe Burrow's ability to run the ball than I am Dwayne Haskins. And then Joe Burrow can throw it enough, right? Yeah, I thought he. I mean, I don't. I, it's hard for me hey, to remember. Mr. When he author did of it doesn't matter if you have a strong arm. It doesn't matter. He says it doesn't matter if you have. A, he, I mean, Joe. Bur the reason I wrote that story is because Joe Burrow came into the interview room after the spring game and said the one thing he's worked on the most is his arm strength. And I thought to myself, well, you recruited J.T. Barrett, whose arm strength was terrible, and you recruited Joe Burrow, who admits he has poor arm strength too. And then it was because it didn't matter, because it was arm strength is number eight on the list of eight things that's important to Urban Meyer for a quarterback. Um, 
But I thought, you know, in the, in the little bit that Burrow played, I thought he threw it fine. He wasn't asked to do a ton. He threw it pretty good in the spring game, too, but he was throwing against, like, walk-on safety. So um, if Haskins is that much better of a thrower, like, was it Chris Worley said he's making throws that NFL quarterbacks can't make? Right. Which is an absurd thing to say. Then, like, if Haskins is that good, then maybe it doesn't matter if he's a somewhat worse runner than Burrow. You know who really throws it well? Cardale Jones. Yeah. They tried to play Cardale Jones for a full year, and they didn't know what to do with him. But now they have a different, I mean... And sometimes I wonder if that was just a conflict of not being able to get on the same page because you were being yanked, but they, Urban Meyer can't figure out how to run an offense if his guy throws better than he runs. Give that guy an entire year to... And I'm not questioning you, I just think it's funny to think. Like, Urban Meyer's offense can't work unless they have a running quarterback. You're telling me that that guy with an entire offseason can't figure one out? He had an entire offseason and they couldn't figure it out. Right. They had to put JT Barrett in, in the red zone because they couldn't figure out what to do with a quarterback who could throw once they got inside the 20. And I think that if you asked him, probably off the record, you would say that that way they handled that quarterback situation might have been the biggest failure of his entire football career, coaching career. Yep. And, and I don't think the failure was Cardell Jones' failure. I, I agree with you. He wasn't great, but he was not at the top of the list of the people I would blame for that situation. I wonder if that, that situation makes should give you more confidence that – they would figure it out, having learned from that failure. Because that yeah. was a, I don't know. I don't know. We're just talking here. Because we're talking, because you just said, I mean, Chris Worley says Dwayne Haskins makes throws NFL guys can't throw. If Cardell Jones was in bowl practice, people would be saying, this guy can throw it 80 yards. And we'd be right, oh my God, this guy can throw it 80 yards. We've seen it. He can throw it through a wall. And they could never design an offense. Now, maybe that was because it was the first year of the new offensive coordinators and, and, all right, let's, sh- let's shift a little bit because I don't want to talk about past quarterbacks too much. Do you think Urban Meyer is going to trust Kevin Wilson more than he trusted Ed Warner and Tim Beck to run this offense? Uh, I do. relates to the quarterbacks. I do, yeah, because it's weird. Like, Ed Warner's best year was when he was at Kansas, right? And, like, on paper that looks awesome. Like, Urban Meyer has seen <coughs> Kevin Wilson's best offenses at work. He coached against him when he was at Bowling Green and Wilson was at Northwestern. That game was a shootout. He coached against them when Wilson was at Oklahoma. They played in the national championship game. And I think there's some value to having seen what Kevin Wilson can do with your own two eyes as opposed to just looking at paper and seeing that Ed Warner was a good offensive line coach and helped coordinate a really good offense at Kansas in what year was that, 2007 yeah. or whatever it was. Um, I just think Wilson has more of a track record. I think he's a more respected offensive mind across college football. And I think that Urban Meyer might have learned his lesson a little bit. He, You asked him, like, can he be more involved in the offense? And I thought his answer was, interesting because one of the things we wondered is like how involved he was and if like Ed Warner and Tim Beck are getting confused because I know the final say comes to Urban Meyer and maybe you don't feel totally confident in your ability to call the offense when you know it, it stops with Urban Meyer. I think it might stop with Kevin Wilson more than it has in the past with other coordinators. I think I'd buy that. I think he comes in, like you said, with the track record and the respect that other coaches would have to earn. He almost beat Ohio State twice at Indiana. That's absurd. They cut, and every, yeah. And and I'll be very interested. Uh, for whatever reason, after the Indiana game in 2016, I went to the Indiana locker room. It's literally the first time I went to the visiting locker room. visiting news conference in 10 years covering Ohio State. Uh, and Kevin Wilson, and I ended up asking Kevin Wilson about JT Barrett. And he was talking. JT Barrett threw for 93 yards in that game, and Kevin Wilson called him the best quarterback in college football. And uh, I don't know what that was. Because that was during the moment when, like, everybody around Ohio, well, at least we were, we were helped saying, like, what? 
are you sure like yeah. we were there was a lot of things JT Barrett was not doing that well at that point in time. You're going to get to revisit Kevin, that, aren't you? Kevin Wilson said he's the best quarterback. Loved him. Loved him. And it was like, why is the visiting coach blowing smoke on the quarterback who just threw for 93 yards and beat him and is saying he's the best guy in college football? And I didn't quite get it at the moment. Other than that, he meant it. And I was like, I don't know why you would mean this, but it seems like you mean it. And now he's going to coach him. Unless he was just interviewing for the job at the moment. I like God, I'm getting fired. That was his version of Urban Meyer saying he would dream to coach a player like Braxton Miller on a broadcast for television. (laughs) Seriously. We were used. All right. So now, final vote. Final vote. Are we going to come up with one based on our three votes, or are we going to provide individual timelines? We can each provide our individual. All right. Let's do our individual. Okay. Well, we'll each do our individual on the team vote. Who will be the starting quarterback in 2018? Ari. Dwayne Haskins. Bill. Joe Burrow. Pass. <laughs> you do that. It wouldn't surprise does. me. It's always yeah. a pass. He always asks us and then doesn't give his own answer. Yeah. Oh, my God. I can't think. I can't. I think it's going to be a great, fascinating competition because I really do think they're different. I really do think they're different. I think Urban Meyer is going to want to go. Here, honestly, here's my answer. They're both going to end up starting in 2018 because 2018 is going to look a lot more like 2015 than anybody would want it to. How about that? I don't think that's going to happen again. I got Dwayne Haskins winning it early and Joe Burrow taking it over. How about that? Because Dwayne Haskins throws it like a mamma jamma and they can't figure out how to run the offense without a quarterback who can run the zone read 15 times a game. I think it's a cop-out, but I think that's the least likely of the, of, of the, the three, three options. Joe Burrow takes starting job in week five. All right. All right. So I'll vote Dwayne Haskins then. And uh, at least just win the job at the start of the year. So I guess our vote is Dwayne Haskins. All right. Dwayne Haskins starting quarterback in 2019. Bill's outvoted. Now we go on to 2019. Joe Burrow is a redshirt senior. Dwayne Haskins is a redshirt junior. Tate Martell is a redshirt sophomore entering his third year in the program. And Emory Jones, who was too good to redshirt, is now a true sophomore. And it's 2019. And what's going to happen? And the question that's really on my mind is, is Emory Jones going to come in and take somebody's job? No, I don't think so. No? Okay. Haskins no. is my vote for 2019. They've recruited too well a quarterback for a true freshman to come in and take the job. If Emory no, no, Jones... he'd be a sophomore then. So 2018, he sat. So we just vote. So, so you're saying that Martell in 2018 is a redshirt sophomore. Also played. You're saying that they... They had four quarterbacks on their roster, and they got down to Emory Jones when he was a true freshman? I'm saying they just worked him in somehow one way. They played special teams like how Troy Smith did his freshman year. It's too good to keep him off the field. Troy Smith was an athlete as a freshman. They played him at receiver like Torrance Gibson. There's 0% chance Actually, they're ever going to be playing a quarterback on special Emory teams. Emory Jones plays receiver <laughs> and transfers. What are we talking about here? That's my prediction. All right, so. All right, fine. He's a redshirt freshman. He's not got caught up in the details. <laughs> 2019, but he's been here a year. Nobody thinks that with this quarterback, Remembery Jones, no matter how good he is, is going to come in his first year at college and win the job. But in 2019, he will have been here a year, whether he played or not. Yeah. Will he be in the fight to beat somebody out? Or is, but there's going to be a returning starter, whether it's Burrow or Haskins. They're going to be returning. Joe Burrow is probably not going to be the, a one-year starter and go to the NFL. If Haskins keeps his job his entire year... And what you said, your scenario doesn't happen, then I think Haskins will return as the starter in 2019. So Haskins starts as a redshirt sophomore in 18, redshirt junior, junior in and 19, that's his last year. And then he's out? Yeah. 
Yeah. If if it's not, if I think that's the way they designed it. If it if Burrow starts in eighteen, they have a mess on their hands. Like what's what are they gonna do? Dwayne Haskins is gonna wait around to start one year as a redshirt senior. I think everybody just assumes that it's easier to pass over Burrow. But no, it's the I, same but, I, but, I, but I don't think it's a given. Is what I'm saying. Like I changed a, my vote. Joe Burrow is going to start in 2018. I'm sick of this disrespect. That it was part of their plan. They just threw Joe Burrow to the side and assumed Dwayne Haskins was going to start two years. So here, but here's what you're saying. You're saying two years of Haskins, two years of Jones. That's your prediction, basically. Then, right? Right. Great Martell and Joe Burrow never start. Said it was going to be very linear, and that's my prediction. I think, I think that yeah. it's possible that Burrow and it's hard because you don't want to put people on the spot. But I don't think that Martell was going to ever be a junior at Ohio State. You think he's going to transfer? He's going to see I'm the not, writing It's not on the because wall. he's good. If not because he's not good, or you know, I'm not. It's, it sounds like judgment when you have these conversations, and I don't want it to. But quarterbacks Martell, transfer all the time. Mar, that's that's what they do. And Martell doesn't strike me as somebody who would see a because at one point in time, Emory Jones and Martell are going to have to compete head to head. And Bill and I were talking about Emory Jones. He is awesome. It's really good. So if Emory Jones wins that job, Martell isn't staying at Ohio State. Why would he? And who would blame him? Because yeah, because there's be a, no yeah. window. The thing about Martell's situation is right now, he does not come into any season in the foreseeable future as a favorite to win the job. But right. the same is going to be true for, for whoever loses out against between Burrow and Haskins. The same is true for them. Do you think the loser transfers? I think it's possible. Uh, probably, yeah. Burrow is like, laugh out loud, I'm not transferring, guys. It makes a lot more sense for him to transfer after next year. Yeah, when he has an idea. If he, he has an idea. He's going to come and try if to. If Haskins wins the job, I think he'll leave. Yeah, which would make, I mean, makes Which makes sense, sense for everyone. Yeah, yeah. Who didn't someone But if Haskins yeah. wins the job, he's going to, Burrow's going to be competing for the job as a redshirt junior. So in 2018, he's going to come in in his fourth year in the program, compete for the starting job for the first time. And if he loses, he can't he won't have time to transfer. I think he can get a pretty good idea in spring ball what the deal is. Spring ball after the 2018 season, Joe Burrow and Dwayne Haskins go out to see who's going to be the starter coming out of spring. And if the guy who loses that job can get any kind of idea that he's not going to be the guy that coming fall, that gives you enough time to, tra- to make a decision on the transfer. I think that happens a lot. Okay. And Burrow, too, could be in a position where he's a graduate by that point. Yeah, that's true. Well, the thing is, too, I mean, honestly, like every year Alabama comes in with like three quarterbacks. Nobody knows who the quarterback's going to be. Somebody wins the job and the other two guys they transfer. transfer. Yeah, yeah. The Alabama quarterback, just the one guy transferred to Arizona State, right? And the guy before, I mean, and then one year their, their starting quarterback was the guy who lost out to Jameis Winston at Florida State. It's just impossible to think I mean, that all just, these guys will be on the same roster with only one playing. Which is why it's amazing that they're all coming. Yes. It does not make sense. Tell me from a recruiting standpoint. It no, does no. not make sense to get a four- or five-star quarterback in every single class. It should be happening at Michigan, if anywhere, right? Because of the way that Harbaugh – You're not just going to Ohio State because you go to Michigan for quarterback because you know that if you go there, you're going to be developed the right way from an NFL standpoint. I think that Michigan could sell that better than Ohio State can. Oh, yeah. Doug's whole thing. Yeah. I agree with that. Do you think any of these guys are NFL quarterbacks? I or, think Emory Jones could be. I mean, if, if Haskins throws it the way that we've been told he can throw it, yes, I think he can be. I think he is well-built to be an NFL quarterback. He's 6'3", 220 pounds. I can throw it like that. 
if he's as good as they say he is. I don't think Barrett is. Martell's not. Martell's five foot ten. He's not. Um, Burrow's six three two eighteen. I mean, we'll see how good he is, but like he reminds me a lot of Alex Smith, and Alex Smith is in the NFL, the number one overall pick. So I think it's possible Burrow is, and Haskins is, and Emory Jones is a stud. So what did you? How did you guys say how you thought yours would play out? All right, so so you think Haskins in both eighteen and nineteen? All right, I'm going to write it down on the thing. I'm making columns for everybody. Bill is Burrow in eighteen. So Bill, who Bur, Bill, who are you in nineteen? I was, yeah, that's why I was thinking about the mess in my head. It was like, can I pick Burrow to be the starter in 18, but then Haskins to be the starter in 19? Because that's not going to happen. That Joe Burrow, as a fifth-year senior, gets beaten out by the guy right. he beat out the year before. Right. We, as a group, cannot even come remotely close to predicting that because of the inability, the unwillingness to even predict that there's a chance that JT will be on the ropes this year. And yeah. maybe that's a little bit different because JT's been a starter since a freshman, but don't. Don't predict a senior to lose his job after having a whole year starting later in this right. when you can't even consider the fact that it could I happen think, this year. Tell me if you think this. So you like you threw out the idea of both Burrow and Haskins playing in 2018, and you said it was impossible. You made fun of me. I think it's. <laughs> I think I think that it is more likely that JT Barrett loses his job at some point this season than that happens. Wow! Bombshell. Do we have a sound effect for that? All right. The I could actually hear, like, the, the FM radio. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> the quarterback podcast has just taken a detour again. <laughs> Bill Landis, lay out your JT Barrett loses his job in the middle of his fifth-year senior season scenario. He's not a good thrower. He wasn't a good thrower last year. And I'm not saying he can't get better or get back to where he was in 2014. Um, I have no idea how good of a quarterback's coach Ryan Day is. Ryan Day worked with Matt Ryan when he was at Boston College, and that's probably the thing he hangs his hat on. Um, he was the quarterback's coach in Philadelphia. Their quarterback stunk. He was the quarterback's coach in San Francisco. Their quarterback stunk. Um, so I don't know. I, I don't know if he's the right teacher to come in here and make JT Barrett the guy that he was in 2014. And if JT Barrett's not that guy, I don't know if River Meyer goes through a 12-game season with another offense that looks like it looked last year. If they, if what they, if they're winning? Would they have to lose a game because of the offense for it to happen? <sighs> Uh, that's the problem because their offense, their no, offense was bad no, because they, they didn't. Won. They didn't have to lose to make the switch to Barrett in fifteen. And I think next year that is a good point. And the thing that's interesting is that I feel like Urban Meyer, and maybe it's easier to say it now after everything's played out. He thought that they were a year ahead. Next year is the year they're supposed to be there, and I feel like the they room look. for error is a little bit. The leash should be a little bit tighter. Urban Meyer was denied a chance to win a championship because his team couldn't throw the ball. And it wasn't just JT Barrett's fault, but if they get some of the other stuff fixed and JT Barrett throws the ball the same way he's been throwing it the last two years, I think it's possible he loses his job some, at some point in the season. I think Urban Meyer would have to sacrifice the season and go down with the ship and just ride with JT Barrett. I think it is too flammable of a situation to bench, to bench a guy who is... Because when Cardale Jones got benched, you were benching a guy who led you to a championship for a guy who had led you to the brink of a championship. Mm-hmm. You were benching you Cardale Jones in the end actually was less of a known quantity than JT Barrett, even though Cardale Jones won the starting job that year. You would be benching 
a four-year starter, basically, for a guy who has never played. And I just cannot imagine that scenario. That, like, we would – the unknown – the 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 fifth year senior who has every record but it could in the be book. gradual if they well, play let me, both. Let me, let me ask you this: because so. you said that the, in the podcast about JT before from Arizona, find a way could, to work him in. You could figure out a way to work multiple people in, and if that happens, which I think that I'm with Bill a little bit on, in terms of thinking that that's probably not going to happen because it hasn't gone well in the past. But he could lose it to somebody who played. What if next year, because we like. Call up the schedule. I have a test for you as you're talking about this. We like to call Ohio State out on, on their stuff when, when things aren't going wrong, and people think we're negative because of that, but I think we just like try to be realistic. And all year we said they weren't a very good off throwing team, and it turns out we were right. Um, next year, if they're not very good offensively and they're five games into the season and JT Barrett just looks like he doesn't have it, what what would you think of that? You would think that River Meyer has to ride it out with JT Barrett or would River Meyer have to make a change? Like, What's the column you write? When that happens, uh, I don't know. I don't. Would you lose that locker room? Would you lose that locker room if you bench a fifth-year senior who everybody seems to love and who has been held up as an example of exemplary leadership from the moment he got on campus? I don't know. I. I it depends on how it happens. I mean. God, those guys put it to me. This those week. guys want to win. The what guys, column would you write? Well, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to like. What would you write? I don't know. Things. I was not in my stomach just thinking about it. But the guys in that locker room want to win. Okay. Like, if you're, if you're, if you're, can they not tell? Like that's the only thing I always like. Right. I always think of like, are they going to lose the locker room? Here. Shouldn't the locker room be more aware than the fans on who gives them the best chance to win? Here's the game I'm looking at. Okay. So, but t- but tell me, take us through. I see where your fingers pointing. You diabolical bastard. <laughs> I, take us through. Give me what JT Barrett is playing like through the schedule and whether what the imaginary games are like. The score, imaginary scores of these games that uh, this is building towards JT Barrett losing his job. Um, well, I'll take, I think you beat Army and UNLV. Like, I could play quarterback in Ohio State. No, but they open with Indiana. So right. How does so, it look? I think at Indiana, okay, 2015, they looked awesome at Virginia Tech. Yep. I think if they come out and look awesome at Indiana on a Thursday night, it's kind of a weird game. You're opening the season. Everyone's watching you. The offense looks good. They come back next week and look very mediocre against Oklahoma, and then they sputter through the next stretch of game. Do they lose at Oklahoma? At, lose to Oklahoma at home as Baker Mayfield shows everyone what a real dynamic college quarterback looks like, and JT Barrett can't hit receivers. I don't think they have to lose for the for the change that I'm envisioning to happen. Okay, so they're two and zero. They just beat Oklahoma. They beat Oklahoma at home in an ugly game that's not nearly as decisive of a, vic- of a victory as it was last year. Final score is twenty seven twenty three. A kind the kind of game that puts that puts questions in your head of is this team good enough to go to the playoff? Okay. Especially because Oklahoma's Oklahoma. secondary okay. has been beaten before, right? And they can't do it. And then you play against Army and UNLV, <laughs> and you don't look great. You go at Rutgers, and you struggle a little bit. You still win. You beat Maryland too, but it just it does. It's the not, Rutgers scores t- uh, thirty-one to ten. The okay. Rutgers game is like similar to the game that they won at Indiana in twenty fifteen when they had to okay. defend a pass in the end zone to win. Okay, and so they, okay, they come back home against Maryland and it's still some of the same. The offense, the, the defense is good. Maryland doesn't score a whole lot, but the offense just looks anemic. And then all of a sudden, you're going on the road. To and they're Nebraska. six and zero. You're six and zero, but okay. you're, you're halfway through the season, right? And you're but, number three but in the, the country. The one thing that you haven't said on this entire journey down the schedule is 
is the quarterback that is going to beat JT for his job at Nebraska playing in these other games. Yeah, is he working in? Because if they're looking kind of off in these games, then you have to account for the fact that the guy who was replacing him, is he coming in on one drive and looking awesome in the process of these sluggish games? No. Not if they're close. Well, why does that have to happen? Okay. But you're so you're not counting on that. So you you, you would that. say that a, a guy who's never played before could potentially take JT's job when I'm in the position of he might play a little already, so it's not somebody completely blindly taking the job without any experience. I'm saying it doesn't have to be a guy who's played before to take his job. Okay. Yeah. All right. So they're six and zero going to Nebraska. They're number three in the country. They've been far from an offensive juggernaut. They're ranked. Uh, 81st in the nation in offense. They're ranked 98th in passing offense, but they're undefeated in number three in the country. And their next two games are at Nebraska and home versus a rejuvenated Penn State team that beat them the year before. What's happening? I think if you're not comf- confident in your offense's ability to do what it has to do to get to the playoff and win, they make a switch. Yes, and- Urban, Urban, Urban. Why are you benching a fifth-year senior starting quarterback when you're undefeated and number three in the country? What kind of message does that send to your team? That the best player should play. I buy it. Okay. And he would theoretically say that, right? He did it. He did it in 15. He switched halfway through the year. Yeah, but like, the 15 the is not the same thing because I know, 15, the they gave it to a guy who won a national title on the field. But he, so made, it's, but he made the switch to the guy who he thought made the offense better and more of an offense that was capable of winning a national championship. But that's why I'm with Doug a little bit when I think that it would be a hard, hard thing for me to envision that he could make that leap without game experience. But I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying it would no, be I hard agree with that. I, I, I'm not saying that, like, because the one thing it with, seems very unlikely what I'm pitching. If you took Cardale out, when you took Cardale out, you had an idea that JT would be better because JT had been better in the past. You would be hoping that Burrow or Haskins, and, and in your scenario, it's Burrow. Burrow's coming in for Barrett, not Haskins. Yeah, I guess since I said that, yeah. I feel or, like. or do you think that part of it would be they're having trouble throwing it, yeah. they're going to put in the thrower? Yeah, I think that because it, for as bad as the offense was last year, I thought there were times where guys were open downfield and JT Barrett missed them. He's, and I think we all agree, he's regressed a little bit as a thrower. I don't Maybe. think Ohio State has the receivers to use Dwayne Haskins to the best of his ability. Hot take. Right now? Right now? You mean? Right now or in the future? Very well positioned. I'm talking about this coming year. In 2017. Like if you were to make the change because you needed to get a throw in there, I don't think the receivers on this roster playing next year are the types of receivers that would let him reach his potential on the field. I guess it depends if you think how big, how much in Victor and Mac are going to be involved, right? And Bill, maybe, and maybe they'll be great, then I'll be I'm wrong. I'm assuming that Victor and Mac are their top two receivers next year. Yeah. Maybe not on the depth chart, but in, st- in stats. Here's an interesting thing, too. I think that McLaurin and Paris Campbell are going to be very heavily involved in their game plan next year. It's interesting because Kevin Wilson, we just said Kevin Wilson's guy, so he loved JT Barrett. But Kevin Wilson, if he wants to throw it, I mean, Kevin Wilson might be a guy who'd be able to tell Urban, Urban, greatest kid ever. Greatest kid ever. we got to get somebody who can throw it. We gotta yeah. give someone a shot. We gotta shake this up. I also think that one of the things that Kevin Wilson's really good at is getting like designing plays that get guys open. So like maybe it won't matter that JT Barrett is unwilling to throw the ball in the tight spaces because he won't have to. Okay. Well, that was fun. I mean, it made the, me nervous. It was very nerve wracking. I can't imagine what it'd be like for Ohio State fans. That'd be a heck of a season to cover. What are you gonna write? What's your column? That was pretty aggressive. <laughs> well, well, then what's your column, Doug? 
tough guy. We're driving back to Columbus, but, and I cannot stop thinking about how much mashed potatoes are going down my throat when I stop at Popeye's. I feel like my throat hurts a little bit, but I think hot mashed potatoes would probably help. Too much yeah, out. and the fried shrimp healthy. is yeah. pretty good for that. All right. That was our fake ad. So two th- 2019, Ari's going Haskins in 18 and 19. Bill, what are you doing 18 and 19? I guess I got to go Burrow 18 and 19, which like right. now in my head I sound like a lunatic because now I'm laying out a plan in which Dwayne Haskins never plays, which is stupid. No, you're, no, 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 no. You're laying out a scenario in which Dwayne Haskins takes JT Barrett's job in the middle of 2017 what a- and then is beaten out by Joe Burrow in 18 and 19. No, that's awesome, man. Yeah. Dwayne, what was it about? You took the job of a fifth-year senior. Somebody who played a lot of NCAA record. football back in the day. Uh, I'm, I'm playing it now, by the way. I won a national title with Rutgers. Wow, you should email Chris Ash. Yeah. So I'll, I'll go Haskins 18 and 19. So then, not convincingly, but with Burrow having a legitimate chance. So then, 2020, Dwayne Haskins is either a redshirt senior or he's gone. Joe Burrow's definitely gone. Tate Martell would be a redshirt junior who's never played or he could have transferred by now. And Emory Jones is, his, is in his third year in the program either as a redshirt sophomore or a junior. Who's the starter in 2020? Jones. Did, didn't I already say You oh, said yeah, Jones. Jones. Yeah. Jones. Yeah. All right. I, th- I think Jones, too. But it's one of those, I, you know, I don't know. But there is the one thing that Quinn you Haskins have to could say. Come back. There is still the chance that Jones doesn't sign. Long way to signing day. Long, long way to signing day. Maybe if he's listening Georgia. to this podcast. Right now, where we're just laying out a scenario where he we doesn't see the field help Ohio oh, till his oh. third year. None of us did that. Doesn't see the field till oh. his third year. He's sitting for two years for sure. If you guys don't think he has a shot yeah. to come in and unseat one of these older guys, and then third year he's potentially in a battle with the guy who was just the high school player of the year, who's been waiting his turn too. If he's listening, he should take solace in the fact that I am never right about anything. So no, I'm never right about anything either. Uh, he. Uh, Congratulations, but my point is that I think his recruitment will be interesting. I don't think it's going to be a stroll in the park for twelve months until he signs. Because other schools are going to sell him this podcast, aren't they? I mean, I you ask yourself the question: How do all these kids keep coming here? You don't think that he's asking him his parents? I mean, it's a real issue. I'd be really interested to see who come, like who steps up and tries. Kirby like, Smart in, in Georgia has kind of turned yeah. the tide. I think that there is a chance that people could get in his ear and he could start wavering. So because Clemson was his number two, but right? I almost feel like Ohio State? State's future is even almost easier to deal. You always want to get a five star quarterback, but it's almost easier to not have to deal with it if you just have a guy and you go with your guy. But if they if they were to lose him though, they try to get another one. Of course, yeah, one quarterback in every class, no matter what. But it doesn't have to be a five-star guy. I don't know. I don't know. I think there's almost – all right, is there a downside to this quarterback room? The 2018 quarterback room with these four guys in it, when Barrett's gone, is there any downside to that room? Is it too crowded? Is it too many stars in the room? I don't think so. If anything, it puts a sense of urgency on every single battle because that could be it for you. It puts more on a coaching staff to get it right and handle it the right way, but I don't think anything of what happened in 15 had to do with – the relationship between JT Barrett and Cardell Jones. I think they liked each other and were good friends, and the coaches botched it. And I think, I mean. That was two guys. I know, but no, I don't I don't think it's. I'm never going to say you can have too much talent in the room. It's on the coaches to handle it the right way. I question it at quarterback. I question it at quarterback. I guess it's a if you can, do you think that the quarterbacks in 2015, no matter what Urban Meyer said, do you think they were affected by looking over their shoulder? JT Barrett said he was. He might have said that like verbatim, actually. 
Cardale Jones was, absolutely. Yeah. Especially once Urban Meyer yanked him out after three series in the second game of the year on a short week, which I think is the worst coaching move of Urban Meyer's career, was to take uh, Cardale Jones out of the Hawaii game after they won at Virginia Tech on a Monday night. Short week, everybody was exhausted, nobody was prepared. They came back, and after three series, after a good game at Virginia Tech, three series against Hawaii, he got yanked. Unforgivable. He looked over his shoulder the rest of the year. And if JT Barrett's saying it, he said it. JT Barrett, part, if you think he's not the quarterback he used to be, Part of it could part be. of it is because of the way he was handled in 2015. Yeah. And you're going to tell me you're going to put these four guys, you're going to put Dwayne Haskins, Joe Burrow, Tate Martell, and Emory Jones in the same room and say, good luck, boys, and everybody's going to come out of there okay? Nobody's going to be screwed up in the head? Because of that, there's too much competition. It's too crazy? No, yeah, I guess I guess it would make more sense. But we also, like, I think those four guys would only be in the same room together for one year. Because whoever, whoever the, the, of the older guys in the room ever loses out, I don't think is going to be back in that room the following year. transfer. I mean, both we could have two transfers in this group. Yeah. Yeah. The Haskins Burrow loser could transfer, and the Jones Martell loser could transfer, right? Yeah. I mean, that's almost a prediction. Is that what you guys would predict? Yeah, and I think it's possible that Jones doesn't show up. Like I said, I think it's like we I mean, we try not to play fast and loose with transfer predictions, but it's just a, like you said, it happens with quarterbacks. Joe Burrow might be a guy who just sticks it out. Somebody's got to stick it out. He might love Ohio State enough to just stick it out. That happens sometimes. Stephen Collier did it. Stephen Collier could have been a grad transfer. Yeah. You could stick it out for four years and then go once you've paid your time, too. I think transferring after you get your degree is different than transferring in the middle of your career. Joe Burrow is is a really good player, fights his butt off. Never quite wins the starting job. Then goes starts is ready, at Duke after, you know. Prepares as a starter and for his fifth year goes and plays somewhere. Yeah. And is Russell Wilson for somebody. Yeah. That's possible. I don't know. Do you think it's interesting? Do you think it's going to be an interesting couple of years? I'm oh. so excited for the spring game. Of course. Game. It's going to be awesome. I can't wait to watch the watch. What's the best thing Haskins for Haskins Martell to play in the spring game? Now we get to ask about quarterback controversy. We should start asking about the Martell Emory Jones quarterback controversy this spring. No, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Urban, but, but I know that you guys got a lot going on with uh, trying to prepare JT and for senior season, or whatever. But have you thought about the quarterback battle for 2019 and how <laughs> what you might be looking for by then? How many players are going to transfer? All right. So when we were projecting it, who do you think? Who's the next quarterback in here? Who's the 19 quarterback going to be? Will there be a big 19 quarterback that they get in the class of 2019? How many have they offered? What's his name? Sam Johnson? Is yeah. he from Michigan? Phil. Sam Johnson is from Michigan. He does not have uh, an offer. I wrote about Johnson when he was in eighth grade and came to Friday Night Lights, and then we went to Detroit, and Bill wrote a big thing about him from in person. We dropped it on his high school. He's very thin, but in three years might be the best quarterback I'm looking to in the see country. if they've offered any quarterbacks in 19. I don't, I don't think they've offered have. any. I'm looking now. Because the kid from the other kid from Gorman is eighteen, correct? Yeah, they have, not, they have not offered a quarterback in twenty nineteen. And eight, and yeah, he he's actually a Michigan lean, from what I understand. So Dorian Thompson Robinson, yeah, and like they they have Jones. So if they took him, it'd be as I mean, he's been playing receiver. So I'm going to write about him. I think I still have some stuff. All right, thirty seconds here at the end. How good of a quarterback is Torrance Gibson going to be at Cincinnati? I cannot wait to watch that. I think one of us should cover it. His if, first game as a quarterback. Is he be, do you think he can make it as a college quarterback? I do in that conference, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, I think he might have had a little trouble maybe in the Big Ten and then playing against the teams at Ohio State would have had the play to win a national championship. But I think he could have made it. In the American Athletic Conference, I think he could have I think he could have made a quarterback at Ohio State, man. I don't, I don't disagree. I, I think, I mean, obviously think that that tougher, whole – I think it would have been better for his psyche too. You know what? Tell me if I'm wrong on this. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. It's just an opinion. The end of his career and his time at Ohio State was muddled by off-field issues, whatever happened there, that he was suspended by the university and then moved on to Cincinnati to play for Luke Fickle. I think Ohio State did him wrong by recruiting him as a quarterback and then immediately moving him to a receiver. And he said all the right things, but he never really got a chance to be a quarterback here. And obviously, he wants to be a quarterback. They took the black jersey off him a week in the training camp. Like, yeah, he never... Never got a shot. I'm surprised and, that was ever on, to be which honest. Which is crazy because, like, why are you forcing him into a receiver spot that he's not going to play anyway? But the, he came here because they were going to give him a chance to play quarterback. Other people in recruiting told him they wanted him the to be a receiver. He said no. 17,000 yeah. stories about him during his recruitment. So, so you get him by telling him what he wants to hear because the other schools are more honest and tell him in the recruitment, we're going to change you to receiver. And he says, no, I want to be a quarterback. Ohio State says, okay, you can be a quarterback. They get him on campus and they make him a receiver his first week here. And then he transfers to another school to play quarterback. And he was a five-star quarterback. Athlete. Was he, was he an athlete? Yeah. Because when I first went there, he was a quarterback, so they changed him. But he played quarterback in high school, and he was a five-star recruit. So however he was judged by the recruiting services, whether know, he was labeled a quarterback or, four or an whatever, athlete. Six foot four, lefty, you can throw the ball 65 yards in the air, no problem. And run. I don't know. They couldn't have figured out a way to get him going in this room. I mean, I I don't I don't know. I feel like I feel like they something got lost in translation there because it, it felt like he didn't beyond the off-field stuff. What he thought was going to happen here didn't happen here, and now he went to somewhere else to do what he wanted to do, which is play quarterback in college. All right, stuff happens. Um, so we got to watch Danny Clark from afar. We got to watch Torrance Gibson from afar. Yeah. We're going to make you the Cincinnati-Kentucky beat writer for the next couple of years. Who, me? Yeah, I'd love up. that. You want, you want to send me down to Cincinnati to cover a Torrance Gibson football game? I'd do that in a second. Plus, they have some good hot dogs down there. In our Southwest Ohio <coughs> Bureau, we can do that. If Cincinnati and UK ever play, man, that'll be perfect. Oh, my God. Look that up right now, and that's on the schedule. All right, listen. Uh, <laughs> thank you for listening to this edition of Buckeye Talk. Find us online at cleveland.com slash OSU. You can subscribe to Buckeye Talk on iTunes, on Stitcher. You can go to SoundCloud if you enjoy to listen things on SoundCloud and do Kentucky and Cincinnati play. Let's make that game. No, but they should. Yeah. Let's make that game. Bill, start like a promotions company and see if you can get that at a okay, neutral site done. somewhere. If um, you saw Torrance Gibson's left-handed quarterback pose with the ball on his left hand facing Danny Clark with a tattoo on his right arm. They're both left-handed. They're both left-handed. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Oh, that's fascinating. I'm in. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. Thanks for reading us at Cleveland.com. Follow us on Twitter at Ari Wasserman, at BillLandis25, at Doug Lane Maurice. That was long. That was a lot of quarterbacks. It's going to be an interesting couple of years. See ya.